My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shack House is brought to you by Callaway Golf, proud sponsor of the newest major champion, Danny Willett. A few days after his son was born in Europe, Callaway staff pro Danny Willett boarded a plane for Augusta. Less than a week later, a major champion was born. He averaged 305 yards per drive Sunday with a Callaway XR16 driver, 9-degree Mitsubishi Diamana Rayon 60X shaft on his way to winning the green jacket. While nothing is easy about navigating Augusta National, as Danny knows, the physics of driving are simple. If you want to go farther, you have to go faster. For the XR16 driver, Callaway partnered with a team of aerodynamics experts at Boeing to find even more speed. Then Callaway's engineers took that speed and did what they do best. They streamlined the shape, made the XR16 driver extremely forgiving. It's the new XR16 driver from Callaway, where forgiveness meets fast. And don't forget, Lydia Ko won a major championship two weeks ago with an XR16 driver. So they're definitely on to something major. Visit CallawayGolf.com or your local retailer to check them out. Welcome to Shack House. I am in Augusta, Georgia. I'm Jeff Shackelford. And on the other end of the line, back from Augusta, Georgia, is Joe House. House, how you doing? I'm great. I am in chilly Washington, D.C., but I tell you, my heart is warm after that performance by, by Danny Willett. <laughs> yeah, that's nice that you're taking away that warm, fuzzy feeling because everything I've read so far is a pretty depressed uh, kind of reaction. Saddened, shocked, unhappy. People wanted the star to win, but uh, how can you not love a guy going bogey-free to win the Masters? Yeah, somebody blew up, but, uh, yeah, you know, he won it. He won it, and and uh, part of my warm feeling may or may not have something to do with the fact that I had him at a wonderful fifty to one uh, odd situation. Wow, you just came right out with it right at the right off the bat. Well, it's it's you know part of um, the enjoyment <laughs> of watching golf is is picking making a few 
friendly wagers and um, having different things to kind of track. I had made a small play on guys making the cut, a small play on, you know, a group of the big six um, winning the thing, and then a few long shots. And one of those long shots was um, coming along pretty nice on Saturday. And I thought, you know, this will be fun. This will make it fun to watch Sunday. Not that there's anything uh, about Masters Sunday that isn't fun uh, already in and of itself. But uh, as the day progressed and Jordan rattled off those four birdies, six through nine, I thought, well, good. I'm going to. Uh, I had a nice little wager on Danny Willett at a, in a top 10 position, finishing the top 10. I was like, great. I'm going to get that one and we'll get Jordan um, winning. So I'll get that big six one and what a wonderful Sunday. And then all right, right around five o'clock, things started to change a little. <laughs> Wow, that was uh, it was pretty stunning. Yeah, and the press center, as you can imagine, people are already starting to write their speed stories, and it was very quiet uh, when that all kind of went down. It was, it was. Uh, in fact, I, I mean, I would even dare say we were a little bored. Like, yeah, this is just going to be a nice five, six shot win. Favorite, he's got it. No big deal. Uh, I walked out to go watch him tee off on ten, and he looked great. He marched onto the tee. You know, hit a little bit right, but nothing horrible. And you just sense, eh, you know, this is this is done. He's uh, played beautifully. This is his golf course. He's putting the greens well. And voila, he got to the 12th tee. And I, I, I really thought that was uh, just an incredible sequence and uh, for a number of reasons, but mostly because no matter what you want to say about how he mishit the shot or if he hit it fat or he pushed it or he tried to hit a draw and all that, ultimately his takeaway quote was that he, that he kind of rushed it a little bit. And that's going to be the thing that, that bothers him over time. He rushed his line. And you, I mean, we've grown up, some of us, listening to Ken Venturi for years and years say, play to the middle of the green every time, all, no matter where the hole's located. And what does Jordan do? He, uh, he plays it right at the flag, hits a little bit fat. And if he's playing to the center of the green, he's at least probably in the bunker in front of the green. And, and maybe uh, Danny Willett doesn't win the, ma- the Masters. Now, the thing that surprised me the most and was a real um, uh, disruption to the speed narrative was the drop the shot that he hit after he hit it in the water because Mm. the kid has shown us in the 18 months that he's been atop the golf world an unbelievable resiliency an unbelievable ability to minimize the damage and it was the first time i think that we've seen him literally in shock after making a mistake and letting that shock control his his um, next two shots because after he hit his yep. you know th- what what counts as his third shot into the water, um, his fifth shot into the back bunker also stunk. It was it was a terrible shot and honestly he was very lucky to save seven at that point. Yeah, and he afterwards he lamented a couple of things about that whole sequence. He he lamented. Uh, that he didn't use the drop area, that he got a little bit cute, and he tried to get a yardage that he thought was a better yardage. And I think it left him with a a little bit of a hanging lie that he hadn't quite expected. And I think in time there will be questions about just really the pace of that whole situation because he was getting hammered all day on Twitter and by (laughs) Danny Willett's brother about his pace of play. And he really was pretty slow this week and, and and got a little whiny there on the 11th hole one day about uh not not getting to wait out a gust of wind which was was kind of a rare moment of 
an obvious frustration because he he was playing with somebody who was playing very slow and another player who was struggling, but he was also backing off of everything. Faldo even kind of picked on him on the telecast, uh, and then here he comes to twelve, and he and he really needed to. That's when he needed to kind of play that uh, that card, that slow play card. And we've seen every player take their time on number twelve, and he and he and he didn't. I mean, he wasn't lightning fast, but he definitely rushed some stuff there and, and his, his caddy kind of needed to settle him down and get in his face and literally almost stand between him and the, the hole. But it's it's a very hard thing to do. Uh, it's Augusta. It's the Masters. It's the 12th hole. There are millions of people watching, and you know that, and it all happens so fast, and 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 it just can unravel so fast. And But I also thought it was kind of a little perfect metaphor for his year. It's just been uh, just just that little bit off, that little bit weird. And he's been a little bit off and a little bit strange, and uh, and it all kind of just unraveled right on that spot. Probably the worst place, of, unfortunately, for it to happen. Well, I kind of loved it in this sense. Uh, I was not at that point rooting against Jordan Spieth, and I don't want anybody to misunderstand. Um, but oh, come on, you had money. Admit <laughs> it. No, he. Well, I had money on him, so if he won, I would have still had a nice little taste. I would have broke even for the week, but. The thing that I like the best about um, the, the, the collapse, as it were, was the relentless pressure that that golf course puts on players uh, in, 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 the, the, yeah. um, uh, in the moment. The fact that he confessed that he had, at best, his B-minus game from T to green and what we saw putting wise was his usual, at least at the Masters, A plus plus plus. I mean, he's just incredible. He's on. He has unparalleled um, skill on on the greens putting wise. But that um, B minus always catches up with the player at, at Augusta. Oh, Augusta always catches the guy who's not um, hitting the ball, you know, sort of perfectly. And that was the biggest difference between he and Danny Willett yesterday. What do you think about that? Yeah, and that's going to be kind of the interesting thing for him going forward. Is he able, at some point, when he's not fuming about various things that went on, is he able to step back and say, all right, I had my B-minus game. I led the Masters through 66 holes. I had it. Uh, I was that much better than the rest of these guys who who just, I mean, they were just in a different league. Uh, Jason Day, Adam Scott, Bubba Watson, uh, Rory McIlroy. The, the course exposed them and exposed their weaknesses early on, whereas Jordan kind of, even with this B-minus game, hung, uh, hung in there, held it together, and then, you know, had a blow-up at a time that was not ideal. And and so if he can step back and look at that and realize that, he almost should gain confidence from it. But it's just so easy to easy to say that and <laughs> when you, you know how few chances you have at these things and and you're in the moment, and then you have to go put the green jacket on the guy and sit through that 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 ceremony out there and with all the uh the 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 suits and their um their their pink skin from the week because they're all sunburned and tired and and uh and from from being the uh, well I won't go into that but anyway the, it's a tough situation I mean you're just thrown into that and the awkwardness of butler cabin and and it doesn't it kind of compounds the whole. Uh, thing we've never really seen somebody lose it that badly and then have to go put on the green jacket. Uh, but if he can step back and think about that, because those greens were vicious, the golf course was so tough, the conditions were so tough. 
maybe he can draw something positive from this, but it's gonna it's gonna really take a while. Well, it's been a pretty impressive sustained run. That's five top five finishes in majors, um, and uh, he really is not that far off, right? For it really came down to a single hole, a single moment, a single um, sequence of mistakes that completely changed the trajectory. So I'm with you. Yeah. Um, there's so many positives to take. He's still kicking everybody's ass on the greens. And what he did to Rory McIlroy on Saturday, I know you and I are going to talk a little bit about our biggest disappointments. What The way he treated Rory McIlroy, Rory before that Saturday round said, this is not a match play. I'm not looking at this as a head-to-head kind of thing. I'm going to go out and play the golf course. I'm going to focus on my game. And then immediately after the round, Rory's talking about how on number seven, that's really where the, where the round changed because uh, – um, uh, Jordan was in trouble, and he expected to make birdie, and his birdie turned into an eight-foot comebacker that he missed. Um, but the 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 most impressive kind of uh, mental dominance, the fortitude, the mental fortitude that Jordan has, and the way he uh, you know kind of used that, it was it really was Tiger esque to me. Um, the the way that that Rory just couldn't get anything going, and he was definitely taking um you know the the effects of of jordan's relentless success because jordan didn't hit the ball great on saturday either but he managed to scramble around and still um get around the golf course and rory couldn't get anything going that mental fortitude is something that obviously uh is going to continue to be the thing that he can point to um and you know speaking of rory after rory's collapse um at augusto's in 2000 and what 11 was that mm-hmm. the year he he then went to yes. congressional and and beat everybody by 11 shots so uh i'm not saying that jordan's going to do the same thing but w- with his composition it wouldn't surprise me to see him go do something like that uh no but uh, i again i think it's going to take him a while to to cool off on this one and and again he just has this issue that that we saw on the west coast swing after kapalua where He's his he's he's always a little agitated and always trying to get better and agitated in a good way. But lately, it seemed to it seems like it's kind of shifted over to a slightly more neurotic or um, awkward or uncomfortable uh, sensibility when you're kind of around him and you're watching him. And again, like he's just a little a little tired, a little jet lagged, or a little bit off, and and um, and he has to kind of get that squared away and then square away that this was a, a really great week and whether he can do that in uh, in a few weeks and then when he has to kind of start turning up again or when he's chosen to start playing again uh, I don't know but I, I I could just yeah I can just imagine what how angry he is at himself for for a few of those things today and and uh, and he took the blame for him so but no enough about the negative let's talk about Danny Willett uh, I, I this is going to be a tough one house you probably you were watching the telecast i sort of watch the telecast i have the audio but i'm also watching other holes they give us these great little monitors and um and it it uh, it didn't seem like there was a great deal of excitement over danny willett on the uh, cbs broadcast which is understandable they kind of centered around spieth um and he's not somebody who's known to America. And by the way, shout out to you and to a few of the uh, the punters who were listening last week who, who took our advice that Danny was a nice second-round draft pick uh, candidate. Although still, I 
you know, second masters, uh, newborn, all the things that were going on. He didn't really practice until Friday. Although I kind of wonder now if all these other players overprepared for Augusta and maybe his under preparation uh, took a lot of pressure off and, and made him uh, uh, just kind of a little bit lighter on his toes and came in with a little less burden and, and a little less anxiety. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a, an unreasonable thing to consider because I, he just uh, he just put on an incredible performance yesterday. Yeah, I totally agree with that. He came in with a clear mind. He was changing diapers last week. Uh, and, you know, when you compare him to somebody <laughs> like Rory, I don't want to beat up too much on Rory, but Rory's trouble appears to be all mental, all psychological at this point. A guy like Willett with nothing to lose, uh, you know, just had an, one of the great moments in his life um, with his new son being born. Why not? Everything's gravy uh, once you get to, to Augusta. The other thing that I think was really helpful to Danny Willett was playing with Lee Westwood yesterday. How incredible that on the Sunday where he's in contention, he's playing with a guy that's essentially his mentor, the, the guy that's, that he goes to for, for, for life advice in addition to golf advice. And the two of them really fed off that, um, that, that interaction all day long. They both had terrific rounds. I mean, Westwood's chip in on 15. I was like, wow, well this, we might have one, two here. Uh, yeah. With Willett and Westwood, that's the way it turned out. Spieth, you know, tied for second, but uh, that that sort of st- that, that little cocoon, um, that familiarity, uh, the relationship between the two Brits there um, was really interesting. Yeah, I, that was my question in the press conference. I didn't like asking it. I, I think it was like the third question. I don't like asking something like that that early in, but you only get kind of one crack at it. So uh, that was that was what I brought up, and he he. Um, he mentioned it in a way that it was just one of the many fortunate things that happened during the week. I have a feeling when he steps back from the event and thinks about it more, he'll realize how how great that was because you you certainly can get a lot of bad pairings and you can get pairings that are are a little less comfortable. Um, I don't know how much it makes him more comfortable, but it certainly doesn't hurt. And and then to have Westwood, of course, playing well and and as you said, that chip in on. 15 brought him within one of Willett, which is sort of a, a thing that will probably be lost a little bit today, That that uh, and in part because CBS didn't show that hole out for, for quite a while after it had happened. We, we actually heard the – we could hear the roar and, and uh, see it on our feed, and, and it was an unbelievable shot that Westwood made, especially because the wedge game's not as necessarily his strength. And um, so that that vibe had to be great. But then to get up on 16, and that that's just sort of what I'm always amazed at, is how easy those guys all make the 16th hole look on Sunday. That shot is, yes, the ball funnels down to the hole, and we had those three unbelievable hole-in-ones. But that is just, it's still not that easy of a shot to get where they got and where Willett hit it. And then Spieth, of course, uh, hit a great shot, and he got a little bit of a bad break. The ball didn't funnel down a little bit more because that putty had's just impossible. Uh, unfortunately, it was was only a few feet, but it's it was really a hard putt to make. I think it broke probably 10 inches. And uh, Faldo even, I think, set a foot on the air, and, and that was kind of a cruel break. But Willett just, uh, to, to do what he did, to, to walk onto that tee, and then, of course, Westwood hits it on the front of the green in three putts, and he, he suddenly, just like that, he's three back and done. Um, now, of course, the other thing with Willett that was, was a, a little bit, 
uh, fun, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more of a story. It was asked after the roundhouse, but the uh, taking the sweatshirt off before to to make the the uh, the 18-incher to win the Masters <laughs> that was a little weird. He's pretty cheeky. I I, I kind of like it in him. I mean, I know that um, social media oh, yeah. was was crazy with the Theon Lovejoy comparisons. You, are you a Game of Thrones uh, guy, Jeff? Ah, uh, yes. So uh, I, uh, I I am familiar with the character. <laughs> the, the, the 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 tweets were fantastic last night. Um, that I, the ones that I saw with all the the comparisons. But I I I think you know Willett's got a little bit of a um, I don't know not a feisty streak, but he's got a a little bit of a, a snarky kind of sense of humor, and I it was very deliberate that he took that that sweatshirt off on eighteen. Don't you think? He kind of fessed up at the end of his answer. He he said he was hot all day, but it was never really warm enough to take it off. And then he he did kind of throw something in there at the end that that, that, that he wanted to see the green and show the green. But I, I I think we'll get a little bit more on that one at some point. But he was he was great in the press conference. He is a little bit cheeky. He's a very very down to earth guy. And uh, the the you know he's not the the kind of uh, upper class snobby uh, Brit that um, that that you might get uh, or expect sometimes he's just a very cool uh, customer down to earth and uh, but very smart very media savvy gives great answers one another one of those players who, who gives you a really good answer and thinks things through and and has something to say and that that's really a product he's he kind of hangs around this a chubby Chandler group with Lee Westwood and Darren Clark and and Chubby and his guys. Uh, he's got a great group of people who work for him. They uh, they're they're a lot of fun. They have fun. They like to they like to bet on the horses. They like to laugh. They uh, they have fun with Twitter. And as we saw, uh, Danny's brother really has a lot of fun with Twitter. If if people haven't seen that, it's worth checking out. I posted some stuff on my site. I think everywhere they posted stuff. Jim Rome even. Uh, put out a tweet that that uh, I think Peter won the day on on Twitter. Um, so the, the family has quite a. Uh, they don't take themselves too seriously. Let's put it that way, and that's uh, really refreshing and always fun at, at Augusta to have somebody like that win. Um, so uh, pretty cool to have a, a winner like that. And it'll take the world of golf a little while, right, House, to kind of kind of wrap their head around it. I, I I'm not surprised because we've known he's such a good player. And if you get up early in the morning and watch the Golf Channel. You know he's he's always in contention every week on the European tour. Oh yeah, that was why when we we were looking at odds on Monday and looked again on Wednesday, and I, uh, I'm obviously it's much more luck than anything else. Um, but when I had control of the Callaway Golf uh, handle Twitter handle for a little while, one of the questions that came in is who do you like in the fifty to one class, and his name jumped right off the page because of what he already uh, achieved this year, I loved the way he played down at Doral. I mean, he was right there. He was one bad swing away from having a shot at, the, at a playoff uh, down at, at, at Doral. Um, and I watched quite a bit of him. You know, I, I knew his reputation from um, the success he'd had worldwide, um, but was very happy to watch him at Doral and, and get to see it. And uh, he has all the shots. The thing that was most impressive to me yesterday with him was not one wobble off the tee. The dude just raked off the tee. And I thought, um, you know, for that confidence, uh, and again, it might have had something to do with, with Westwood. It might have had something to do with, you know, having nothing to lose, maybe a combination of those factors and others. But he was very, very comfortable off the tee yesterday. 
Oh, it was shocking down the stretch. I mean, you just keep waiting for something to happen. Those those last few holes, are, 17 and 18, are so tight and so narrow. It's so easy to, to bungle them, and a lot of people did, obviously, during the week. And he just... Uh, it just he just didn't uh, have any issue, and he, of course you saw in seventeen. By the way, hit a hit a drive in the fairway, and he basically has to hook a nine iron around a pine tree, which is just a, a kind of a sad state of uh, affairs on that hole. They've just overplanted it with trees, and and it's uh, I don't know if people realize how dicey that tee shot has become, how difficult it is to hit that fairway, and and you know Spe- Spieth kind of I think even gave the driver a, a little twirl off that tee, and uh, because it's just. Uh, it's really become maybe the the toughest driving hole on the course, even maybe tougher than number seven. And uh, I don't care for it myself. I kind of like the old days when the 17th was a hole where, okay, they got through 16, and now they can kind of unleash one and get up there and position yourself, use the width of the hole, to, and, and then play an iron shot in. It was kind of a little bit of a killjoy moment there yesterday with Dustin Johnson and um, and and Spieth and, and everybody uh, just not really – that hole not being that hole that it used to be the perfect kind of three or five hole. You'd see a lot of birdies, but then you'd see somebody misplay the second shot and three putt and make five without even blinking. And uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's a little bit of a shame and kind of a lost feature of the golf course. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think back to the uh, Kenny Perry moment. um, And I don't think, I think the the hole played differently when, when Kenny um, played it, he had the, the championship wrapped up and uh to your point about it being either a three or a five it's it was the kind of hole where it was just the pressure of the moment that's going to dictate um the the performance and kenny perry is an example of a guy that 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 um succumbed to that pressure of, of the moment um and we'd seen in the past you know somebody like schwartzel who was up to the pressure of the moment and birdied that on as, as part of the four birdies that he had in the way into his green jacket um when did those trees go in? It's a pretty recent phenomenon, right? Yeah, those are the uh, Tom Fazio planted trees with Hootie Johnson. Uh, I can't remember the year now, but it's been too long, and they're getting too big. They when they planted them, they I think they really honestly thought they were like a placeholder until something else was figured out, and that didn't happen. So. <laughs> Uh, they're now growing. They're they're really large, and they've taken a few of them out. But they're still just it's just changed the nature of that hole. And when you watch something like the '86 Masters and '96, it just was a, a great three or five hole, and now it's not. And um, I I, uh, I don't sense that they're they're eager to uh, change that because they're just kind of hung up on. Uh, uh, well, I think the loss of the Eisenhower tree there and a few other things, which, by the way, the Eisenhower tree came into play uh, for these guys. Uh, it, it, a lot of players kind of didn't think it was a big deal that it was gone. It, it, it made it a big deal because it actually – you couldn't really hit a three-wood. You had to kind of bomb a driver over it. And uh, now they can hit a three-wood and, and play back and all this different stuff. And uh, I kind of like that element, but I don't like the uh, the narrowness thing. It's just so – uh, against what Bobby Jones and Alistair McKenzie were about. I mean, Al- Bobby Jones once said I don't, he was sitting on the porch and had a, probably quite a few and said to Alistair Cook, I don't see any need for a tree on a golf course. And uh, so when you see them using these trees as little decoys to kind of tighten landing areas to offset the ball, you, all you can, all I can think of is Bobby Jones uh, just rolling his eyes at some of it. But uh, anyway, House, we got a lot to talk about on the other fun stuff with the Masters. We've got 
uh, the golf course, a little bit more to kick around. We've got uh, food uh, by Bryson DeChambeau, all sorts of cool stuff. So let's, uh, let's hold off for a second, though, and say a word from our good friends at Callaway, uh, the number one iron in golf who are bringing us this podcast. You know how uh, uh, I, I heard a rumor that uh, you tested out some irons uh, unexpectedly last week, and you know those irons have a face built to change the game, and hopefully you found that out. Uh, they're designed to push the industry further and iron performance farther. Uh, they've got that great 360 face cup technology, and uh, anybody who's played without that knows it's kind of an inferior iron and un- inferior feel, really. Uh, you're losing out on distance, you're losing out on feel, and all that good stuff. And who who needs that, right, House? So tell me, come on, be honest. Did you did you play some uh, Callaway irons somewhere by accident? Yeah, by accident. I had the the very good fortune on my way out of Augusta last week um, to get an invite over to East Lake. And while it is in sort of April shape for East Lake, um, it's still wonderful, still a great test. And uh, I was very lucky when I walked in. I didn't um, have clubs. They put me into a bag of Callaway XRs, and uh, I had an awesome day striking the ball. I had a less awesome day on the putting green, but that's a whole other story. I loved the mm. the, the irons, and I, it was nice. a a very cool um, uh, fortuitous turn that I was able to hit the driver too, which uh, is something I have here in DC with me. Beautiful. Well, good to know East Lake has good taste in rental sets, and uh, that's a pretty nice, cool, uh, fortuitous thing. So, anyway, the uh, number one iron in golf. It's a face built for distance. It's from Callaway, and we thank them for uh, their sponsorship of this this show. All right, House. So the golf course, we just touched on it a little bit. Let's kick it around just a little bit more because you were there this week. It was a big part of the story. Um, it's something I obviously cover for what I do for, for Golf World and for Golf Digest and my site because I'm into architecture. And and uh, we got some interesting stuff from Chairman Payne earlier in the week about kind of where they're headed. He was in a very jovial mood in his press conference. And uh, I think he gave away a little bit more than he intended. He, he, when he reads that transcript here in a couple of weeks, he's going to think, hmm, wow, I, I, <laughs> I was in a good mood that day. And he, he essentially admitted that the fourth and fifth holes are really on their radar, which I am going to be fascinated to see. Uh, but just kind of watching on TV and then also from your – actually, I'm curious. You were there and then you watched on TV. Um, just your impressions of having been there uh, for the first time in, in a while. Yeah, so I hadn't been uh, in six or seven years. And I was impressed by – the condition of the fairways, you made the observation about them having kind of a tiny bit of hair with the, the express purpose of, you know, slowing down, um, you know, sort of fast roll, guys hitting balls and having them roll forever, which would have the effect of favoring long hitters who can just sort of bomb it out there. Um, and you could really feel that walking around on the grounds on Tuesday. Tuesday was a beautiful day in Augusta, Georgia, with a light breeze. And watching on TV, it was hard to um, imagine what the the big wind gusts were doing to that golf course on uh, Friday and Saturday, especially. They were cruel. Just cruel. I mean, just uh, mind-boggling out there what, what the players had to face. And they were so random. And then when they'd come up uh, and, and, you know, just playing that kind of wind on any golf course is tough. But then you're trying to hit the greens that are 13 on the stint meter. They're, they're like marble. Um, they're firm. And uh, you, you, you really you, 
hitting into those greens is so difficult just in benign conditions because you're trying so hard to put it in one spot to putt to the hole and then trying to control the ball and that is just uh and you saw it you saw it on the player faces interestingly the 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 funniest one of all was saturday night i i had to leave a few minutes early to go to a a function uh to give a little chat and uh we were watching and you saw these young guys day McElroy speed they all look like they had the flu they all look like they'd just been absolutely beaten to death and then here comes Bernard Longer just looking fresh as a daisy and um, the only thing missing was like a sweater wrapped around his neck he just looked like Mr. Cool Customer as he's seen all this before but the other the young guys looked absolutely spent and it just it spoke to how how uh, relentless it is out there and and that's what they want I, I and they got their sort of retro Dan Jenkins, the Masters is all about socializing until the back nine Sunday, and it it really has not been the case for a while, and it felt like this year was going to be another one of those, and then sure enough, Dan's uh, legendary comment came true. It really didn't start until the back nine Sunday, and and um, it was a lot of fun, and, and obviously not for Jordan Spieth fans, but it, it was sort of a very old-style Masters that way, and then the actual architecture of the course ultimately was the deciding factor and what happened, it wasn't really the, the wind, it wasn't the firmness, the speed of the greens, it was Spieth mismanaging the angle of the hole, and, and he knew it, and he knew it in his comments after, and it's shocking because here's a guy who's so thoughtful and so uh, meticulous about about these kinds of course management decisions in a place that he studied and he knows so well, so I feel good about the week in that sense, that the golf course in, in it functioned the way you'd, you'd hope it would, and they kept it from getting silly. Um, and so in that sense, it's it, to me, it's a home run. One thing about the conditions and the course that uh, I thought was uh, very, very interesting is how it exposed two guys in particular, and one of them was my, my, one of my big disappointments for the week. Uh, what the wind did to Mickelson on the putting greens, you know, we had talked about coming into mm. this week we had high hopes for Mickelson um, because of his ball striking in, in, the, in the weeks leading up. You pointed out, you know, the thing that, that is going to be his downfall is this tendency to be jamming putts. And he, he um, didn't really do that. I didn't really see it much on Thursday. But on Friday in the wind, it looked like, uh, you know, he, didn't, he, he putted one off the green on nine. He had a, a short birdie putt that he turned into double the length also on the front, and it looked like that, um, in turn, affected the the remainder of, the, of of his game. He shot uh, the the highest score in ninety rounds, um, third time he's missed a cut, and I can't help but think that um, his not wearing a belt on Friday had something to do with it as well. <laughs> now I was with Mr. Style Marty Hackle under the Big Oak, and we were doing a, a slideshow for GolfDigest.com with sort of the best dressed people there. It's just kind of a way to show off who's hanging out there and and who's dressed well. And and, and all of a sudden we hear this, "Hey Marty, Marty!" And it was Phil up on the upper uh, uh, on the upper deck the the of the clubhouse having lunch, and he he wants to know what Marty thinks of the the beltless look and. Uh, Marty gave him the thumbs up because he's a very nice man. And I said, but Marty, afterwards, I said, isn't that kind of like the like the early 90s, late 80s uh, Champions Tour, Sansa Belt pants look? And 
And uh, he, he, he didn't deny that, but he, he liked that look for, for Phil. I, um, I don't think the belt ultimately, it maybe karmically with the golf gods was a little bit of an issue, but I, I just think that he needs to get Ben Crenshaw to, to just kind of uh, uh, just say, Phil, I won two of these dying the ball to the hole. You won three of these putting that way and why are you trying to why are you trying to will the ball in through through speed it's just it's uh for a for a touch feel putter it's kind of amazing to watch and uh and it definitely was his downfall but he was not the only one who tried to do that with the with the green speed uh and and try to kind of combat the wind because it is shocking i think for people to realize how much the wind played a role on the greens this week yeah when the other guy that seemed to be affected was was bubba which is kind of a weird thing to say because of nah, all the shots that yeah. he has in his bag. You would think if anybody can flight the ball in a way that that's um, that can um, properly defend against the wind, it would be Bubba. The no laying up guys um, made the observation that you know, are we is is Bubba a guy who um, whose sort of normal performance is just making the cut, and the two Masters wins were an aberration? At Augusta, you know, or, or is he a guy oh, that no, comes no, down no. and dominates in Augusta? No, no, no. He just he just let the the wind get to his uh, his whole way of thinking, his whole uh, approach, and he, he admitted it. I mean, you know, he had an okay weekend. He had a nice seventy one on Sunday, and you, if you read the transcripts, he as best as he can uh, fessed up to to essentially having felt like he got a little bit of an unlucky break with the tee times. I don't know if that's the case, but. That he was just a little unlucky, and that he he wasn't good with the wind, and he, in his own way, admitted that. And um, uh, that's it. It's as simple as that. And uh, that's Bubba, though. That's the danger with Bubba and picking him and betting on him and all that good stuff. Is he he can easily get thrown off, and um, but when he's on, he's he's amazing. So no, I think he'll. I still think he'll win another Masters at least. He's just uh, he just hits it too long and. Knows that golf course too well and enjoys it too well. So, uh, House, we're going to get to your impressions of the place, the operation, but I think you have a little bit of a word from our new sponsor. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, Harry's. Uh, good razors cost too much, which is why two guys like us started Harry's.com. They sell high quality blades that provide a close, comfortable shave for half the price that we're used to. I shaved with Harry's this morning and got the best shave I've had in a long time. You see that Harry's razors are quality guaranteed. Full refund if you're not happy. They provide factory direct prices. Cut out the middleman, ship right to the door. Over a million guys already made the switch and thousands more every day. Harry's starter set called the Truman is a great option for new customers and an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shave cream, which I used liberally this morning, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of Shack House. Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with promo code HOUSE, H-O-U-S-E. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and make sure you use code HOUSE at the checkout to let them know who sent you. Let me also tell you about um, our good friends at MeUndies. Whether you're wearing a suit or sweats, you spend almost 24 hours a day in your underwear. Instead of making a statement like Superman's tights under his everyday clothes, your underwear is probably boring. 
MeUndies is here to change that. Every pair of MeUndies made from sustainably sourced modal fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. Nothing can describe the fit and feel of MeUndies. I have a pair on right now. I personally am trying the trunk. I like quite a bit the, the, the keeping it tight feel that the trunk delivers. If you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, they're free, no questions asked. They have dozens of styles, limited edition prints. You can make a statement whether anyone can see them or not. Shipping is free in the U.S. and Canada. You can save up to $8 a pair with the MeUndies subscription plan. Get the subscription or a single pair. Get 20% off. That is a big uh, offer. Thank you, MeUndies. 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com backslash house. That's MeUndies.com backslash house for 20% off your first order. MeUndies.com backslash house. Enjoy the trunk. Beautiful. Now, speaking of enjoyment, House, 2004 was the last time you were at Augusta, right? I, I think so. You think so? Okay, well, we'll just leave it at that. So, um, <laughs> it, it, you, you got to see uh, the grounds, the merchandise, you made your contribution to help pay for the new 13th tee, I understand. I think I saw a little logoed shirt action there at the Callaway House. Oh, yeah, you got to come uh, back with, uh, I mean, what kind with of just logo the, uh, garb. Oh, you got to, yeah. Yeah, although I never quite understand people wanting stuff from this year's tournament when they weren't there. I always try to discourage people who ask for some stuff. Uh, you don't. Why, why, you weren't there. Why do you want to answer to the question of uh, were you there? And then you say you weren't. So anyway, but they sell plenty of stuff without 2016 on it. Uh, but just kind of your your take on what you know because so many people have different views of Augusta, uh, and then the, the telecast reinforces certain impressions and. And there is obviously a little backlash with some people who think it's all a little bit uh, obnoxious or the place takes itself too seriously. And I think when you go there, you realize that they do things for a reason. And for one week a year, it's it's the way they do it. And, and you just either enjoy it and kind of uh, uh, admire it or you uh, you don't. And so I just I, I kind of I love hearing from people who haven't been there in a while or never at all kind of what they think of the whole experience. So I don't know who would fit in the camp of not enjoying it. The reason that they, I think, exercise such dominion and control over the joint is because they know the formula that makes it the most um, exciting golf experience, uh, you know, tournament-wise, on the planet. And uh, they have a formula that, that works. So I was lucky enough uh, on Tuesday to go in there with the great Harry Arnett of Callaway Golf, and CallawayGolf.com, and a couple other Callaway guys that had never set foot in the place again. So for me, it was re-remembering the experience, and Harry was an awesome tour guide. And these two guys, it was the brand new experience. We walked up the pathway up the practice range, and there's that's still uh, in and of itself kind of a jaw-dropping moment. You're very close to the players. Guys are out there yeah. hitting all kinds of shots. It's very cool. The stands were already filled at 1130 uh, in the morning, on Tuesday at the practice range, but that only gives you kind of a, it's the perfect inter- introductory glimpse into the experience that, that awaits you. You turn a corner, you walk down the hill, and you walk through the main pavilion that opens on to one. And walking up to one, being with the two guys that had never been there before, the reaction that they had, and me re-remembering <laughs> what it looks like. You can't really, your brain can't um, anticipate what the place is going to look like 
um, because it's it's it, the greens are extra green and the browns are extra brown and the um, everything is is cut so perfectly. Uh, all you see is sort of precise lines everywhere. One of the guys that that uh, we were with. Um, took four steps and jumped on the ground and started rolling around like a dog because he um, couldn't believe the way the grass felt and wanted to feel it on his back. Uh, I'm not going to name names, oh but Johnny Rodriguez did a great job with the, the um, drop and roll, drop and dog roll. Um, and then from there, wow. we just walked down to Amen Corner. We walked right to, uh, we started down 10, right? So you can get that the feeling for the tremendous change in elevation that 10 represents. It almost feels like a ski slope. Like in the, in the winter, who, who could get permission to go down on a sled? I mean, I don't know if, if Augusta Grant, maybe if Condi asked, uh, you know, they would let her go down on a sled. <laughs> but it's an incredible hill. Uh, and we walked down to the place, uh, as we, we approximated as best we could, where Bubba hid out of the trees on 10. And then turn the corner. Oh, went, of course. Went, That's, went down everybody does and, that now. Yeah, you got to go there. You got to, because it's unbelievable to see with your own yeah. two eyes. It is unbelievable. And then we walked down to Amen Corner and took all that in. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just uh, an incredible experience. And the thing that happens um, uh, without fail, um, folks running into other folks, so that you're, 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 it's like, hey, you know, that, that old familiar. Um, you know, great, unexpected, but great to see friends kind of uh, experience. And um, even though the place has the no cell phone policy and you're not really, it's very difficult to set up logistics to run into other people. You just manage to find other people in your crew. We managed to reconnect with everybody in our group um, about two hours in, not surprisingly by uh, the concession stand over near um, in the 7-8 mm, uh, territory. Shocking. Yeah, hard to believe. But, um, you know, it's just uh, an experience that, that is almost indescribable. Uh, you, ha- you have to walk it yourself to kind of take it all in and process it. Um, but it, 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 it always exceeds what you expect because you can't anticipate how it's going to look. So that, that's my take. Okay. Well, that's, that sounds about right. That's a pretty phenomenal uh, sense you gave us. I love that. And uh, it is interesting how... The scale of the place sort of shocks people, too, how big the golf course is. I think television makes it look a little bit more intimate than it is. Um, but it, it, And I, I'm glad to hear you guys reconnected. I wrote a piece for, for Golf World today, and I'm, uh, I'm not sure how it'll go over with the club, but I essentially kind of called them out a little bit on the cell phone thing because it, it, they are so good at innovation. They're doing this amazing app, amazing website, um, they now introduce virtual reality, which is just mind-boggling. I got to test that. The 4K, I thought, looked amazing in terms of detail. I wasn't wild about the color, but they're doing all these progressive things, House. And then you kind of go out there and not – yeah. I the no cell phone thing, I know this is a total first-world problem, and there are people listening to this just, just – uh, uh, their hearts are just bleeding at the at the poor plight of the people who get a ticket to the Masters and can't connect with their friends or check a scoreboard on Sunday. But it is just this weird little dichotomy that the, the place you go into this cell phone free zone and the person at home actually has more information and camera angles and um, and kind of insight 
into what's going on. And so I think that's something they're going to have to really grapple with now that people are so connected to their their phone. And then the club is feeding the world with all this amazing uh, content uh, through their app and their website that allows you to, I mean, I, I you know, when I left early on Saturday, I, I listened to the whole telecast through their app without a single uh, little hiccup on, on the stream um, for the last two holes. And they just, the technology by IBM and AT&T's, you know, a big part of their thing. And, and they have all these big wigs and, and the members are using their phone now around the property more and that doesn't help. So that's, that's one thing. It's kind of a weird balance that they have to strike going forward um and, and especially the first three days where it's kind of a social event and uh, but again these are the problems of of uh, very first world types and it's an amazing place to see and experience i'm really glad you guys did and you got to go with some first timers as well that's uh that's pretty awesome yeah well the, the bug i'll put in your ear you and i were not able to connect because of the cell phone thing I'm looking very forward to getting back yeah. down there next year and getting the the, the Shackleford tour because I know that you have some nooks and crannies uh, and some some spots, some vantage points that you are eager to share um, that we'll have to um, you know do next year and talk about uh, next year. Yeah, I'll give you the full architectural tour, more than you ever wanted to know about how the course should be restored, and um, I'll, I promise I'll I'll limit it to you know only like six of the holes that 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 they need to do a little bit of work on. Well, you can do um, as many as right, you want, as so long as you still feed me those ice cream sandwiches. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Georgia peach, you know, um, I, uh, I went through three for the week and I still feel very strongly about it. I got a few nice messages on Twitter from folks who were not aware of it and who were attending the masters and, and had one. And uh, so I was pleasantly surprised that I could, um, expedite their demise on this planet by having them, uh, inject themselves with that. Uh, I, I, I hate to think what's in it, but gosh, it's good. It's I mean, so what's good. What's the point of Payne, living if you can't thing, have that? Well, Beach ice. What's exactly. the point of living? Come on. Exactly. All right, we got a few more things to cover on the Masters House, including some um, some more food talk. But uh, we have to do that. And we'll do it in the speed round, presented by our friends at Callaway, who remind you to quickly head over to callawaygolf.com slash community and sign up for their Callaway community. There's some great questions actually up there for us. There's some discussion groups, uh, all sorts of great information, and a great way to get uh, a chance to uh, hit uh, prototypes and all sorts of cool stuff from Callaway. All right, House, biggest surprise of the 2016 Masters? My biggest surprise was Lee Westwood. I um, did not Mm. see any kind of strong performance from him uh, you know, coming into the thing, it was a real reminder of how Augusta is really an old horse course. I know Longer, um, you know, s- sort of owned that storyline Friday and Saturday, the the old horse storyline. But Westwood, God bless him, really acquitted himself beautifully. And it, it came out of nowhere, his best performance uh, in this season, which, you know, includes some 2015 time as well, was like a, a, a tw- you know, tied for 28th or something in 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 the ned bank something or other so uh i was i'm always happy (laughs) to see the old guys um come up and 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 play great at a at at, um a place like augusta because it's a reminder i and and longer said this of um how important um patience and uh 
sort of understanding what the course is trying to do to you and, you know, the ability to kind of navigate around and stay out of huge trouble, how important those, those skills and traits are and part of what makes Augusta so special. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he's going through a divorce. His short game has been terrible. And uh, so to see him do that now, that'll probably, I think that's going to get him on back on the Ryder cup team. And uh, he's, he's a super guy. I really like him and, and kind of a lot of us had sort of written him off. So pretty neat to see, uh, to see him do well there. And then also obviously kind of contribute in a, in a subliminal way to, Danny Willett's win. For me, it was Matt uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. That closing round was incredible. By the way, another Chubby Chandler client, part of that, as they like to call it, the stable. And uh, what an amazing finish yesterday. Uh, he is uh, a very interesting talent. He's kind of a, a little guy, and uh, but but he's he's kind of bulked up a little bit. He's a good athlete, and he dropped out of Northwestern early on. He's very set on on doing big things he's 21 and to to play the way he did get that top 10 uh great finish sunday uh i just didn't you know i didn't sense that one was coming he's kind of had a, a an up and down year so far and uh he definitely i think took the prize for me as biggest surprise although speed's course management on the 12th hole and 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 really danny i'll be honest danny will playing as well as he did coming in kind of underprepared i think is is a huge surprise all right house Bryson DeChambeau had an awesome debut, I think. Of course, he thought he, was, he had a chance to win, and he certainly was contending there and almost got himself in the final pairing on Saturday. Rub some people the wrong way. Uh, rub some people the right way. I love uh, the way he talks. I love how bright he is and how quirky he is. And uh, What did you think? Did you, did you get to see kind of any of his play or his press conferences? I, I saw quite a bit of him. Uh, I love the kid. Um, we talked about him a little bit, I think, on Monday. I know we've we've covered him before. Uh, this was the biggest dose I've um, gotten of him, both on the golf course and in the the press setting. And I thought he did uh, an incredible job in both settings. I love um, how uh, his game is so all over the place. The the he, he'll he'll go ahead and and you know. <laughs> Three over, four over on the back nine uh, um, par fives, but birdie, you know, the, the a couple of the hardest holes on the golf course, like like it's nothing. Um, the performance on eighteen on Friday was incredible. Um, I thought that that uh, yeah. you know it looked like he was staring ten in the face, and and he, the fact that he saved seven was was pretty outrageous to me. Um, I had uh, a friendly wager with a friend that he would shoot near even par on Saturday. I regretted it immediately when I saw um, the wind Saturday morning. But um, yeah. he, 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 was, he had enough game. He had shot 77 on Saturday, but had enough game, um, but for you know, the, the, the big blow-up mistakes that he had, to be right around there. It was an awesome debut. I think um, you know, we're just scratching the surface with, with um, the kind of unique thinker and talent that this kid is and I, I'm, I I couldn't get enough yeah he he his uh, answers were interesting on the press conference um, Friday night I asked a couple questions in it and he on the way out a couple of the writers were uh, groaning about uh, ah you know this and that and he's kind of rubbed them the wrong way and I go well, I don't understand he he gave some short answers but he, he gives short answers to 
mediocre questions, we'll call them. <laughs> and he, he, um, and he also his body language wasn't great. He's like fiddling with a water bottle, and he, he kind of looked bored. But he's not. He's just one of those people. He's a little bit of a savant. The head's going in a million different directions, and he's he's thinking about the questions in the press conference. He's probably thinking about dinner. He's probably thinking about the golf swing. Uh, you can just see there's a lot going on there, and so it's always fascinating when a player has that much um, on their plate that they then go out and he plays the way he did with such confidence, so relaxed, and like you noted, and he noted it himself, the par five play was terrible, and that's going to be the thing when he looks back on this week, he really did have a chance as an amateur to contend had he played the par fives better, and he'd studied the course so much, it's such a key, and it's one thing to just kind of play him um you know even parish and just mediocre in a mediocre way but he he had some bad numbers on the par fives and and for somebody with his length that's going to really bother him the only bummer with bryson was he was he was slow and uh, you know jordan spieth one thing that won't be really acknowledged a whole lot was he he uh he kind of took a lot of heat for his pace of play and in that pairing with casey and dechambeau uh, Casey was in trouble a lot. DeChambeau was really slow. And Casey, uh, you know, he's a normally a pretty normal-paced player. And then Jordan's kind of a moderate to slow. And yet he was the one that sort of had to kind of take some of the brunt of it and, and got upset at being put on the clock. And he could have very easily said, hey, you know what? Uh, the guys I was playing with weren't helping either. And he didn't throw them under the bus. And I thought that was really admirable. He kind of took the bullet and uh, and also didn't really let it uh, spiral into something. He kind of looked out for the for his fellow uh, playing partners and and for Bryson. And I thought that was cool. So Bryson could pick it up a little bit, and and I'm sure he will. Um, but uh, an awesome debut. Now House, let's uh, let's get into the food. What did you sample? What did you like? Uh, what was your favorite thing there this week? So I'm not gonna walk in the place and not have pimento cheese, and not have egg salad. I mean, it goes without right. – that. those are the mandatories. Right. Those are must-have sandwiches. Uh, I had more than one of both of those delicious samplings. The thing that I went for this year that was uh, not on my radar in years past was the barbecue sandwich. And I had the barbecue sandwich mm. with two packs of hot sauce, one for each portion of the bun, and I can't tell you what a revelation the barbecue sandwich was. Now, uh, I don't want anybody to think that I'm I'm putting it in the class of uh, you know Texas barbecue or any of the fine states you know uh, uh, Kansas City. It's not that kind of thing. It's a little bit sweeter, but it's a it was a nice meaty sandwich, perfect for that Tuesday afternoon stroll, uh, perfect with a delicious domestic beer. And um, with the hot sauce, the combination of, <laughs> of the sweetness and the, the hot, it was really a lovely sandwich. It is now firmly on the house menu. So I have three sandwiches. Mm. You know what I might do wow. is ter- tone down. Two pimento cheese sandwiches is one and a half too many. Yeah. The thing about yeah. the pimento cheese, it's wonderful and it's so unique. It really deserves only, only a, a half sandwich kind of consumption. I didn't need to do two. Um, I came in charging out of the gates. It was a little bit of a rookie mistake. I hadn't been there in so long. I was enthusiastic yeah, about yeah. getting back on that pimento cheese horse, and I overdid it. But uh, well, welcome aboard, barbecue sandwich. Nice, nice. Yeah, that, that, that is a little strong on the pimento front. I, uh, but you're, you know, you're, you're rusty. You haven't been back in, uh, in a while, and, and that's understandable. 
Um, I, I'll tell you the, you know, the, the ham and cheese, I know it's a little boring, but they make a really good one. Uh, it's, it's, it's sneaky good. And of course at the prices, how can you complain about any of them? They're all ridiculously priced. And, uh, it's, it's almost not fair to other golf tournaments, how uh, inexpensive they are. I'm sticking with the Georgia peach ice cream sandwich. Uh, it's just too good, too much of a delicacy. Uh, and, and frankly, I, somebody asked on the Callaway community, uh, Z for babes or bees, B E S. Uh, anyway, thanks for the question about, uh, about your uh, house eats, and then also want to know which tournament has the best food. And I think the Masters is the best food because it's the uh, it's the best at the price. You can't beat it. Although I'll, I got to say, the WGC match play with the local uh, Torchies tacos and barbecue and stuff was pretty awesome. But hard to beat the Masters. So uh, House, what else? Is there anything else we need to cover on the week? Anything? Smiley Kaufman, Billy Payne. So, you know, the one thing I, I do think we should talk about with Smiley, and you mentioned the, the, the pairings, I do think it was a little bit of a disservice to Jordan to have uh, Smiley as his playing partner. It was unfortunate that Smiley missed that birdie putt on one. It kind of let all the hair out for the possibility of, of those two guys um, inspiring one another and taking each other to greater heights, which is kind of what we observed with, with Willett and Westwood. It might have been... Fun. I, I thought um, part of Jordan's success Saturday had to do with putting the beat down on Rory. Rory was my biggest disappointment of the week, um, mainly because he was not competitive. I didn't like one bit what I observed out of him mentally on Saturday. He was not up to the challenge. Who was your biggest disappointment? Probably Rory, although I, he kind of recovered for me after the round with his his comments that he has a mental hurdle at Augusta. He wants it so badly that he lets that get in the way, and he played defensive golf instead of his his style. And I just admired him tremendously for admitting that and kind of throwing that out there. A lot of the players can't do that. Uh, but, no, I think I, I'd say my biggest disappointment is probably Jason Day, just that he came in playing the way he did. And then when you look at his ball-striking stats, they were – they were not good, and his putting was good. And that that there's somebody who's also just going to be sitting back this week and just thinking, "Wow, how, how did I go from from playing the way I did to uh, kind of having to rely on my uh, putter to kind uh, of get me around?" And but that's just it's the nature of the game. People do forget. I think we've been a little spoiled this year in the run up to the Masters at how consistently good some of these players have been playing. And that it's it's a week where a lot can go wrong pretty quickly, as Adam Scott said. There are fine lines out there. He just kept repeating it at the end of the round yesterday. You know, he was 11 over. It doesn't look great on the the leaderboard, but he really wasn't that far from from having a good week. He admitted he kind of threw in the towel a little bit yesterday once he realized he couldn't uh, have a birdie run, and I admire that as well, being honest about that because uh, yeah, and he's just there to win. He doesn't care about second or third. So it's uh, it's a place that requires so much precision, and it exposes so much as you alluded to, and and I I, I I admire them for being able to maintain that. I don't like the way they do it sometimes with some of the tree planting and thing and some of the green speeds pushing the the numbers that they're pushing. But all in all, I I hope people felt like it was a satisfying event. Uh, sometimes they don't based on the winner, and certainly in the press room, uh, you, you get some some fun grumbling on that. But uh, then when everybody kind of remembers it, will it? has been one of the best players in the world and that he uh you know he's a european tour i love seeing them get some love 
Uh, they are a great group of people on a great tour, and it's since '99. House, uh, it's it's been since a European one. Um, I feel like that's a, a great takeaway, and I and I think I, you know, Spieth, uh It's just he's a very beloved figure right now in the game, so it's gonna it's gonna be a struggle for people to kind of put a smile on the week. But gosh, I don't think in terms of entertainment value and day to day interest during the tournament, you you really could ask for more. I I couldn't agree more. The last three hours. From like you know four o'clock to seven o'clock is everything you want out of a Sunday Masters. The uh, oh. I would have enjoyed the ascendance to the throne if Jordan had held on because the that it would have permitted you know CBS was already primed for this narrative. They all they showed was Jordan Spieth, uh, yeah. and they wanted to show his ascendance. And um, I would have enjoyed two hours worth of context, you know, about how remarkable his run is, his run was, <laughs> and all of the, um, you know, the consecutive rounds that he led, um, and how he compared to all of the the greats. And and then in one swing, it's all over, and we're talking about a different, very deserving champion. That's the beauty of the Masters to me. Yeah. Uh- I forgot. That was what I wanted to ask you about the telecast. Uh, did you have any thoughts on it? I didn't love it. I I really find it so curious that NBC is so far ahead of CBS in terms of golf coverage for golf lovers. Um, I don't know what it's going to take for CBS to jump into the 21st century. Where is Pro Tracer, and why am I reading the day after? That the BBC broadcast, yeah. uh, the Euro broadcast, had the technology and was showing it um, to their viewers. And I'm in here in the United States watching the ball against the green sky and trying to um, pick up, especially the, the drives. Uh, and I would have loved to have seen the pro tracer on some of those wayward drives that Jordan hit um, just to see how far right that ball was going so you can really get the the feel, the scale for what he um, for for the scrambling that he had to take on, um, I was disappointed by that. I also thought it was pretty unfair. I'm I, I'm a big Dottie Pepper fan. Um, love her in all of the media that we've seen her in, and and think that she's been a great asset to the various um, places that she's she's been doing. Um, you know, the golf media. They had her, what felt like to me, out on an island out there on 13, and her efforts throughout the week to engage with her um, television broadcast colleagues felt so awkward. Uh, there was at least one instance where she asked Faldo to confirm something, an observation she made, and he was either paying attention to something else. One time he said, I'm sorry I wasn't yeah, in the yeah. tower. I'm walking <laughs> up there now. Like, what? What are you talking about? So I, you know, I guess they'll they'll get that figured out. I'm happy to have her part of the part of the broadcast because you know she's super knowledgeable and everybody thinks so well of her, and she's going to be um, giving us valuable information and, and input. But I didn't like the way they used her um, this week. So that's kind of my take on the broadcast. Yeah, they they threw her on a tough hole. You know, they used to the first time announcer would start on ten or fourteen, and to get thrown in on thirteen is really tough. It's such an important hole. And uh, they they have a very difficult situation there where they move Nance and Faldo over to Butler Cabin and then they're back to 18. And I really don't know how they do it, frankly. Um, They probably need to have a host in Butler Cabin again, but it's just sort of fitting that that they feel like Nance is the best person to do that 
and he probably is in terms of you wanting the, the kind of the, the gravitas of the whole thing. Uh, but the Pro Tracer thing shocked me how uh, uh, Martin Kaufman at GolfWeek.com has a pretty tough review of the telecast, and he mentioned that. And, and, and number one thing I get on Twitter and hear from people is, why can't we have Pro Tracer more and then at the Masters at all? And so when I was searching last night for, for a photo of Sky or like a screen grab of Sky and, and uh, BBC's use of it, <laughs> I, I didn't realize I found out they've been using it since 2013. And so it's one of those things you just assume all the lords of Augusta say, no, 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 we don't like Pro Tracer. And, and it's needed there more than any other golf tournament because there's no blimp. Uh, there, there are no crane cameras, so you don't get those sort of what Tommy Roy calls a speed shot. You just you lose the ball off most of the tees there because of the club's desire to just not have blimp shots and not have big cranes out on the course, and that's fine. Uh, but you gotta you got to have the Pro Tracer now because people kind of expect that. Um, and and I, my biggest beef was that, that they, they kind of lost the context of Westwood's eagle chip in, and they were – showing some stuff that really didn't matter and that that's tricky and again that's seeing that uh having all those different feeds i mean we'll see that although you hear the roar on the telecast and so it's a little aggravating as a viewer to 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 hear that roar and then not know what it was for several minutes and obviously they have a lot of things to do and a lot of things to check off but uh, when you watch that 86 masters there's very little of that the uh, those shots being on tape except of course nicholas's early birdies were on tape um, because Frank Turkinian didn't really want to cover him. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky thing because they obviously want to appease the club. You don't always know what the club likes and doesn't like because, as I mentioned earlier, they're so cutting edge on some of this stuff with technology, and they're so open to new stuff. But then they also want this extreme restraint uh, in other areas. And so I think for CBS, it's it's a very – very difficult thing to to balance and figure out and of course we're never in those meetings but uh it's something that's always scrutinized and kind of a fun part of the the whole uh, uh post analysis of the event and and they do the same they do it internally and um it would be uh boy i'd love to hear some of those meetings and see, hear what they'd like to do and can't do i will say though house did you see the drone shots of the golf course going to commercial i did a few times I did. Uh, those were breathtaking. I mean, just it just shows you how we still have a long way to go in golf television that we are not seeing drones with GoPros or whatever camera is on that drone. I mean, those those visuals of the 13th green, uh, the 12th hole, I think there were some around the clubhouse too, are unbelievable. You just realize how stunning a golf course can look on television, and yet – that's really about the only time of year you see the drone used. Fox may use it a little bit at the U.S. Open. Um, they did last year. They even used the live drone. Um, but to get that perspective and be able to move around in a way a helicopter can't because of the trees and ah, uh. well, that's the that's the innovation that the Masters is uniquely capable of with their their broadcast. Uh, and yet, we're you know, it's I, I, I'm I'm infuriated by this report um, from you that. Uh, the UK and and the Euro viewers have had Pro Tracer <laughs> since 2013. I mean, what are you talking about? What are we doing here? I want to see yeah. the ball for Christ's sakes. Yeah, shoot, I'd watch I'd watch a half hour of just drone shots of Augusta National, uh, but maybe we'll get that at some point. Anyway, House, we've uh, we've rambled on. It was a great week. Um, it was great to uh, great to see you down here, and it was a lot of fun to uh, kind of uh, hang out at kind of the traditional Augusta style 
house party and uh, do a show with Bill and all that good stuff. Uh, so we uh, we thank our friends at Callaway, who I, I do have to, one last reminder. Uh, they've continued uh, to partner with Vice Sports on a great off-day series, and I'm now finally going to get to catch up and watch this Kevin K- Kisner piece that's getting so much talk on uh, social media. I guess it's really cool. It's a shame he had kind of a – uh, not a very good week, but uh, I guess it really is a, uh, a fun way to look at sort of his uh, rise last year and uh, just kind of his cool way of life. He He's from uh, Aiken, South Carolina, played his first Masters this year. I'm going to stop House at Aiken on the way back to the airport. Great little lunch place that uh, makes an unbelievable BLT, by the way. Oh. Uh, but anyway, check out uh, Callaway dot, Callaway Golf dot com slash vice sports to uh, see this great episode on uh, kevin kisner but there's also one on lydia co and andres gonzalez that is an absolute killer uh the really wonderful series and of course thanks to everybody at uh, channel 33 the ringer bill simmons for uh, all the great podcasting you're doing i got some great shows to catch up on on the flight i'm really looking forward to that and uh and of course if you want to uh, check out house it's house from dc on twitter and i'm jeff shack on twitter jeffshackleford.com uh i've got uh, a lot of masters blogging still to do house so uh it's going to be an interesting afternoon i I it's one of my favorite days of the year to read kind of the takes on on the week so i'm looking um, forward to reading yours (laughs) this has been another edition of shack house thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll talk to you soon shack house This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.